Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, I guess uh, Will Smith not uh, only had to apologize to Chris Rock, he probably has to apologize now to every comedian on the planet because what he basically did was he made it all right for anybody who disagrees with a comedian or finds their humor to be offensive to attack them. Now, this happened, uh, I guess, two nights ago now. We actually found out about it later in the show yesterday. We just didn't have a chance to uh, talk about it. But uh, Netflix has a, a festival, a comedy festival that they sponsor called Netflix is a Joke. And they have just the, the you know, the grade A comedians uh, performing all over the U.S. And Dave Chappelle was at the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, he's up doing his thing. And some dude runs the stage and tries to tackle him. Now... The Dave Chappelle of the early 2000s, this thin, young Dave Chappelle, probably would have done a header. But if you've seen Dave these days, he's jacked. He's a big guy. (laughs) So he didn't go down. Um, And then it was amazing. Jamie Foxx, who was in the audience, he bounded on the stage to try to take this guy down. Security really pounded on him. There were a lot of security yeah. uh, up there. Uh, Dave Chappelle even was calling for it. To, like, get him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they did. They took him down, yeah. Someone was saying he might have a broken arm. They took him away in an ambulance. He definitely has a broken arm. There's a, there's a, a video of him heading to the ambulance. Oh, okay. And his arm is not in the right direction. Well, and so he, uh, he gets on stage with a fake gun, but it had a knife inside of it that right. was real. And so now they're even questioning, well, TMZ said all the uh, the uh, entrance ways in and out of uh, the Hollywood Bowl had scanners for yeah. metal items, but he was still able to get it in. Uh, of course, <laughs> Chris Rock ends up having the best line of the night. He jumped on stage after it all went down. He probably thought, I'm not getting involved. Right, yeah. But this is what he had to say. Was that Will Smith? <laughs> he is going to dine out oh, on that. Oh, yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him. It's, Dave finished his set, too, yeah, he by did. the way. He yeah. did. It really is. And I've, I've heard a bunch of comedians say this. It's really gotten scary. Howie Mandel was commenting. Well, Howie's a little scared of everything, but Howie said, I'm I'm afraid to go on stage anymore. And and I've heard Bill Burr say it, and certainly Bill Maher has been on about this, that there is an attack on comedians now. Mm. Because there's this belief that if you don't, it seems to be this trend right now, where if you don't think something is funny, nobody can find it funny. Right. You know, right. there's a lot of comedians who have said a lot of things that I don't find very funny. I'm rarely offended by anything, but I think even if I was offended by a joke, I know if I was offended by a joke, I just wouldn't. I I just yeah. wouldn't wouldn't watch it. Anymore. I wouldn't watch it now. I'm an older white guy. I got nothing to complain about. There's very little I can be offended about. My life has been a coaster. You know, I've had a good run, um, but uh, I just it's just. I, nobody can take anything anymore. It's just we're so thin-skinned. We're so you know. So what comedians will say now? They used to get their their break at the college circuit in the U.S. Mm. Can't even go and perform. Cannot have open conversation and dialogue anymore. Right. Because people get so offended. College students, young people, really probably the worst of it all is that they just get so caught up. And I, maybe it's got to do with social media. Maybe they're just reading every dreadful thing every day. Well, and it's not only that, it's that their opinions are welcomed in that environment, yeah. right? And that, and so some for some, it means my opinions 
are always welcomed. Mm. And, and in some environments, no. If you mm. go to a comedy show, you know, the show's on the stage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Your opinion there isn't, uh, you know, necessary or, is, or isn't welcomed to be shouted out. Yeah. Right? I, I, the only thing I can say about the comedians is that they're, it's an interesting time for them because they've always had the mic. Mm. And everybody had to listen to them. Right. I think they're struggling now because they have to hear other people's thoughts. Right. So it's kind of this weird thing of, well, no, you should be listening to everything I have to say. And now they have to listen to what others think. Well, I mean, listen, our our job is in the same boat. Yeah. Right. Where, you know, for the longest while we sit here in this studio and we talk and, and you know, we assume and hope for our job's sake that people are listening. Mm-hmm. Right. But... You know, for the longest while, you know, you didn't really have to deal with with feedback Mm -hmm. necessarily or instant feedback. Or if that's the case, someone would have to be so irate that they would pick up the phone to call the radio station to complain or write a letter (laughs) to complain. Now that it's a simple text or a post on on social media, it's easier to complain and it's gone to that next level. That's where the cancel culture comes in. Not only am I complaining about this, I don't think this person should be... Uh, doing this. It's well, not, it's not any more it, than I don't like what they said. It's that they shouldn't be allowed to say it yeah. and they shouldn't have a job saying that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or in some extreme cases, you know, people rushing the stage, they need to be either beaten or killed for what they have said. If I was a single fella, this would, uh, this would make me happy. The, uh, the things that people want in a date doesn't include good looks. Come on. So that helps me out a lot. Um, the top 10 list, and incredibly good looking, just missed the top 10 at 11. Incredibly then, good looking or just good looking? Uh, like, are they setting the bar really high? Well, it says incredibly good looking here. Okay. So I don't know. So you don't have to be incredibly good looking, just mildly good looking. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. I, I guess looks, just, according to these people, liars, looks don't don't seem to matter at looks, all. Looks not even in the top 10 I'll get the date. No, no, it's, it's number eleven. Yeah. But this is good for you too. They don't. You don't have to have a great physique. <laughs> <laughs> How does that not fall in your category still? Because you're you're much more handsome than me. But this physique is like a Greek god, right? And, and you're more the marshmallow man. <laughs> yes, right. So with you, uh-huh. they they burnt out the chisel on the body uh-huh. and didn't have room for the face. That's right. That's what you're saying. This is all what right. I'm saying. You got all the looks coming through the door. <laughs> but see, you, you can win there because you can work on that body. Right. This face is a dumpster fire <laughs> through and through. There's no fixing this. It's a disaster. Anyhow, things that are on the uh, list, things we're looking for in dating. Okay. Uh, at the top of the list, honesty. <laughs> From people who are lying yeah. on this whole quiz. And it was 2,000 single people on this thing. Of course they're single. They're, they're trying to make themselves look good. Right. And then uh, you got to be able to make them laugh. Right. you got to show kindness. Sure. Just a great sense of humor all over. Good communicator. Great manners. A nice family. All BS. They love to travel. Uh, they have a good job. They dream big. Right. So these are the things we want. You could have an honest comedian doing a children's benefit show. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't look like a male model, it's not happening. No, he'd be Louis C.K. <laughs> be back to what he's always done. I uh, tuned into the Leaf game last night at the beginning of the second period. So if you want to blame somebody for the loss, it, it's me. Because <laughs> I wasn't there right from the beginning. Uh, 
I'm not surprised. I, I know that you had said yesterday that you thought they would win. Uh, I would have been really shocked if they had won last night. Oh, really? Taken two, yeah. I, I mean, I know, I know they they looked good in game one. I just think Tampa looked really bad in game one, and I think you saw the real lightning last night. Yeah, I expected a close game, I, and I think I think it was one. I think if you're you know a Leaf fan, uh, I know some weren't, weren't happy with the refereeing. Mm. Um, thought uh, the calls went against the Leafs. Um, and maybe the fix was in, uh, as, as diehard Leaf fans will always do. Uh, but that being said, you can't, you know, although the Leafs have a very good power play, you can't take, you know, four penalties in a row against that Tampa team. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was a 5-1, I guess, uh, heading into the third. And uh, then they came back and made it 5-3. And I thought, okay, there's a, there's a push here. They haven't given up. And that, that's always a, a, a good sign. Uh, it's just Tampa. It's really flipping good. And, you know, the thing is... Was it 3-1 in, going into the third, I think, yes. Yeah. Was it five, I thought it was 5-1, was it not? I think they scored a couple early. Yeah, yeah. I have to look again in the box. Whatever yeah. the case, Lucky. Yeah. You and your stats. All right. Listen, I will say this. And I and I was going to mention this to you after game one, and I totally forgot until you mentioned uh, the score and whether we were right or wrong. Um, I really did take a moment to notice the work of the play-by-play. It's normally just there... You know, you don't really consider it all that much. Because uh-huh. unless you hear them make a mistake, if they did something, uh, you know, said something wrong or uh, blatantly, uh, you know, obvious that it was wrong, then you kind of perk up and listen. But for the most part, it just goes by. Because uh, the game is so fast, certainly during the playoffs, I thought, man, they, they, you guys really don't have a second to breathe. Like, it must be, uh, uh, by end of third period, pretty exhausting. It really is a fast pace. We talk a lot here. Right. But you're literally talking for three hours straight. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there are breaks in there and you're, you're into it. I, what happened? It was the last week. The, the Generals had a stretch where they went 14 minutes without a whistle mm. at one point. And you got to keep and, battling. And it was just back and forth. And and it's not, you know, I would think you know, from a play-by-play angle that, Sports where you don't talk as much are harder. Uh, I guess. Like, I would think it's harder to call a baseball game right. than it would be uh, hockey because you've got to fill with info or insight. Hockey play-by-play, for the most part, is just describing what's happening in front of you. It's at a frantic pace. There's energy. Uh, there's highs and lows, and there's stats that you throw in in there as well. Mm. And your brain's kind of going a mile a minute. I, I'd say often, you know, sometimes there's like seven things that you could say in one instance, right? That's pretty Who's impressive. got the puck, where they are, what team they're on. A stat. You know, a stat somewhere, size, weight, height, whatever the heck it may be, mm. draft stat. There are a bunch of things you could say in one instant, and you got to figure out which one to say and not jumble it in your mind. But in the end, you're basically describing what's happening in front of you. There's certainly a skill to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not as easy no, as, you know, as they make it look and sound. Well, it's, it's like acting, right? It, it's, it's like anything that seems to come off the cuff. It's because there's been a lot of prep work done right. to it to make it seem well, like it's off it the takes, cuff. It takes a lot of practice and experience, for yeah, sure. No, for sure. I, if I could suggest anything. Because you're going to do more and more of this. Right. I would really start throwing in the most random and odd stats. Oh, like okay. Like you go, ah, so-and-so wrapping up a 20-year career in the NHL and on to his third wife. <laughs> this kind of thing. <laughs> That's what you want. I would, I think, 
personalize him a little more. There is a guy who's had a tremendous career in the NHL, you know, captain of five different teams, did this, that, and the other thing. Allergic to peanut butter. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Who would have thought? Exactly. Right. I love well, and that And sometimes idea. you get those nuggets. Like I was calling a game uh, with Chicago, mm. right? And Alex DeBrinket mm. is in there. His nickname is The Cat. Turns out he's allergic to cats. Well, there you go. That's right? a great stat. And he's got an Instagram page called Debrin Dogs because he's got dogs. Yeah, it's a great stat. I know. You know, Joe Smith, what a hell of a hockey player. Don't know how he can get his feet in his skates. What with the webbed toes? <laughs> that, that, my friend. That's what you want to see. He's taking you to the NHL. So I guess uh, with all the discussion of uh, abortion laws in the U.S. and, of course, it's flaring up here in Canada as well now. There will be many of those people who will be down in their basement polishing up their dead fetus posters that they have to put on a stick and wave in everybody's face at intersections, uh, as it looks like. And who knows? I mean, the Supreme Court in the U.S. has uh, basically said, well, no, there's no real decision been made yet. But uh, this leaked document claims that uh, it's pretty much a done deal that they will strike down uh, Roe v. Wade. So we will wait well, and see how this really plays out. They have said the, uh, the, the document is real. They're more focused on... The leak, depending on what side of the aisle you're on. You know, it's amazing uh, that the uh, the right is screaming and yelling about the privacy, the privacy of the courts. Their privacy must be. We cannot get involved in the privacy of what they do there, but we can get right into the privacy of a woman, right? And uh, dig or, into her and, life. Well, and and a couple too, because you know sometimes uh, the extremes of these are always what the the argument will will base on right or what you'll hear the loudest mm-hmm. um are, are the extreme edges of it and you know there are people who are screaming this is about you know basically birth control right uh and uh and and others who are saying that this is you know uh the, 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 this is the killing of a fetus and is the age of what uh determines what is a, a person mm-hmm. or not and, and and there are all those sides uh, of the argument to be had you're going to hear the loudest screams from the most extreme of them but many times this is a decision of a couple mm-hmm. and it's not a decision that comes comes easily or made on a whim there's a lot going on behind it too which could be for medical reasons and health of the of the either the baby or the mother uh as well uh and you know you won't hear as many stories about that when it comes to the the loudest arguments made in these uh, you know I, i'm sure they're listen not of all the abortions that have happened in Canada and the United States, I'm sure there is uh, many that it's a couple-based health reason. But I, I, I believe the abortions that are from a single young woman who just is in no position financially or emotionally to raise a child, I think those uh, probably outweigh the couple decisions and the health. I don't have any stats to prove that. But what I what really upsets me even more than the, the couple thing is a, a young woman who is in, again, a position where she doesn't have a, a partner in her life to help her raise this child. She's stuck in a horrible situation. Maybe there's some addictions, whatever's going on, to be forced to have a baby. Now, she can give it up for adoption. Of, of course she can. But... I, I just, it, it blinds me with anger that these old white men can go in and if, and, and if it was, if this was all based on science and research and this is why, but so much of it is just based on morals and religion and, and that has no place in this, I believe. The, uh, the other side, some of the other extremes will say, well, you know, vasectomies are reversible. Mm. So, you know. Give every man a, res- a vasectomy until he's ready to have children, and then 
I think I'd sign on with that. Because it is, it, it is reversible. There sure. are extreme arguments uh, on both sides of, of any topic. But the real, from the, the legal and political standpoint here, comes down to precedent. Mm. Roe v. Wade's been around for 50 years. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that have been around for an extended period of time that were not drawn up in the original thoughts of the constitution right right so to to go back to this document which you know is often what happens you know at some point the laws change and the decisions being made by the those appointed to the highest court become the precedent for new laws mm-hmm. you know the problem with abortion is that it never really made it into a, a federal law it was just always relied upon as this Roe v. Wade precedent. The court will kind of wash its hands and say, well, we're just throwing it back to lawmakers mm. now. Uh, you know, let let them decide. But, you know, they're doing it at a time where there's political advantage to one side. And they're they're putting, you know, for many states, like 20-something, 25, I think, mm-hmm. like, will automatically go to making abortion illegal uh, until new laws are created around it. So, you know, for... A young woman who was raped and doesn't want to carry that baby, uh, it's illegal to have it, uh, Canada, the procedure done now. She'll have to carry herself to another state right. to get an abortion. And it wasn't that long ago when Trump was asked about this. And, you know, it was, he was just so flippant when he goes, well, eh, if she's pregnant and she wants an abortion, she'll just have to go to another state. Here's a guy who loses his poop every time somebody says anything about him. But he's so callous with his, you know, oh, she'll just take, get on a bus, you know. <laughs> It's uh, and I think you're right with the founding fathers. I think the founding fathers would even say, you know, that, that was a first draft. Right. You you could have rewritten well, that. And listen, this uh, again was this one topic of concern, yeah. right? Um, you know, women's voting rights wasn't put into that constitution either. Mm. You know, they were evolved uh, yeah. through law and legal decision and precedent. After that, you know. Uh, the that whole racial segregation and s- slavery thing, same thing, mm-hmm. right? So you know, yes, they are extremes, but when you open the door to change like that, what else changes? You know, uh, you mentioned to me yesterday off the air, and uh, I hadn't seen it yet. But Trevor Noah and The Daily Show did uh, his uh, monologue, his opening uh, segment on uh, on on Roe v. Wade, and it was it was really, really brilliant. You know, he's had a couple of home runs as of late with mm-hmm. correspondence dinner and uh, his thoughts on uh, the, the laws in America, and he was spot on in, in so many of his uh, moments. And then he's got a cast of characters around him, and one of the women uh, joined him, and she really went off. It was, it was really well done. If you haven't seen it, you should, uh, you should look that up. Well, we will see what happens. It's, it's just... Uh, it's... it's it feels to me like here was a country that went into Afghanistan because they're going to show them the Western way. <laughs> and soon you might have to take that welcome to the United States sign down at airports and at the border and write, welcome to Afghanistan West. <laughs> Who's going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? These artists are. least contemporary, right? 
a little rock and roll, I right. guess. Uh, look, I... Oh, there's some rock. Judas Priest. Now they're going in under the musical excellence category. All the rest are going in as performers. And you know what? Really, honestly, I don't have an issue with any of those artists. Lionel Richie's a massive talent, wrote a ton of big hits. Dolly Parton, Eurythmics, all of them. Talented, talented musicians. It's I don't have any issue with any of them going into some sort of music hall of fame. I just think the people who own and run the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have to scratch that title. That's uh, all. Uh, we get a lot more roll than mm-hmm. there is rock uh, yeah. going in. And, and, you know, the pure rock enthusiasts can't stand it. Oh, it drives right? them insane. Yeah. But and that being said, they, they, don't, they don't even nominate a heck of a lot of, like, real rock per se, artists, you know, like the ones that maybe uh, got left out of this one, you know, the likes of, of Beck, uh, New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. uh, would, would be among those lists. But, there, I mean, there's many others that would be considered pure rock acts that aren't even nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of the biggest names in rock music are already in. Like, you, you're kind of running out of them. Right, you know? yeah. Um, Harry Belafonte is going to go in as an early influencer, and a folk and blues guitarist named Elizabeth Cotton is going in as well. Show will happen uh, November 5th in Los Angeles, and then usually by May of the following year, so a year from now, I guess, um, it ends up on HBO. I, I think it's the, the Dolly Parton thing is interesting because she actually first said, no, I, I don't want to accept this. I don't believe I'm worthy of going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So even in her mind, she's like, well, I'm not really rock and roll. See, it's all just very confusing. She has written so many massive hits. Again, a huge talent. Um, but she just thought, well, this isn't for me. Anyhow, she tried to reject it. And they said, no, you're going you're going in whether you like it or not. <laughs> And so she says, I'm honored and humbled uh, that I'm being inducted. Uh, then they were asking her, of course, if she was going to perform, because sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Right, There's yes. Lots of bands who they can't stand each other. So they go, no, we haven't performed together since the 80s. We're not doing this. Um, so she said, well, I, I guess I'm going to have to do something. She goes, maybe I'll sing the hardest style rock and roll song I could ever muster up. And then uh, she thought, perhaps uh, ACDC's Can you, uh, you Shook Me All Night Long. Hmm. But then she went on to say something that I thought was very interesting. She said she would love to perform uh, the Stones' Satisfaction, and she would love to have the Stones as her backing ba- band. Wow! And have Mick join her. Which Get would, out! Which would be, uh, I think, terrific. He'd be up there like he is with all the other women he sings with, rubbing <laughs> up against her. <laughs> And I she's, think, just, she's just 50 years too old for him. Yeah. Well, she, she's probably younger than Mick. Yeah. Probably. But still. <laughs> about 50 years too old. Yeah. So there you go. That'll uh, that'll be your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Listen, listen at least you can watch this one with your grandmother. Rock, <laughs> rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.